You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. This is Abram. Man, we just finished recording an episode with uh, Nian Wong, and gosh, it was beautiful. Nian is is so fluent in uh, each of the Enneatypes, but she's She's just got a, a really unique perspective. She's a ordained unity minister. She lives in Kansas City, Missouri. And one of her most unique contributions to the Enneagram is, is partnering the Enneagram and spirituality. So she does a lot of spiritual tutoring. So that looks like, you know, in group settings, but also one-on-one. She also does uh, teaching as well. But she's, she just comes at it from this from this place of compassion and grace and holding. And uh, I've been actually been a part of one of those groups as well. And, and it was just such a beautiful experience. But yeah, I loved our conversation. Uh, what do you guys think, Drew Creek? Oh, so good. She's wise and kind. And uh, like you said, knows her stuff, but is able to talk about the the work that is Enneagram work in a really beautiful and profound way that's also accessible. I think listeners are going to want to check her out, her online stuff and the work that she does and see where they can be a part after this episode. Yeah, I think the thing that I really noticed the most was just the fluidity and the way in which she weaved back and forth between spirituality, psychology, the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you hear someone like that do it yeah. at the ease that she does it, that's, that's just a sign that they've done a ton of work, not only in their heads, but also in their type structure. And they've done the work. They've done the thing mm-hmm. that they're yeah. teaching everyone to do. Um, that, that level of flow is there. It was just really great to hear her story and the way she applies it today and all the different ways uh, she is involved in creating really safe and effective communities for growth and change. Um, And it was really great. At the end, we got into this really large topic of Enneagram and spirituality, which I am definitely looking forward to having her back on to investigate that a little bit more because there is just so much, so much juice for that subject that was left unexplored. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciated was that there there just seemed to be zero um divorce from like the Enneagram as a tool for transformation. Like there was nothing about uh stuckness or staying within type as your identity, you know. That was it was just so like you said, Greek so fluid in how you use the Enneagram. Uh, it yeah. was just really, really <laughs> really mind blowing for me. It was really great. And so without further ado, this is our fantastic conversation with Nian. Well, welcome Nian, and thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. We're really grateful to have you. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. Yeah. Looking forward to chat with you guys. Yes. So uh, first off, how are you? You know, COVID is still a thing. <laughs> how, how have you been amidst all this stuff? I'm actually doing like remarkably well. Like mm. I feel deeply grateful. Sure. Well, um, you know, the work I get to do, like I'm deeply connected with people on an everyday basis, mm. you know, just by virtue of the work. So I realize when pe- a lot of people are like saying they just miss connection. I'm like, I have a depth of connection. In fact, I could use a little break sometimes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like a little nature, go out in nature. So I feel, I feel like, um, like it's a very special time mm. and 
and it's brought about in some ways, you know, there's that, the way in which, you know, we can bond through pain if we show up the right way, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it's a crisis for everyone. And that can open our hearts in a way that kind of serves our collective, like, healing and sense of unity. So that's what I'm seeing for the most part in my life. And I'm, I'm just, it's amazing, actually. So yeah, weird, you know, very different response, I think, for most people. <laughs> not to say it hasn't been hard, not to say I haven't had my crying days, but to feel held within that, to feel like there is a body of connection and support within that is profound. Hmm. So yeah. How are you? Wow. <laughs> Wow, I love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I it's been it's been a roller coaster for me uh, with with three kids at home, uh, trying to get work done. But it's yeah, we're we're managing, we're learning new things about ourselves, and um, you know, for at least for us, and I assume a lot for a lot of people, we've kind of uh, recognized some of the things we thought were so important maybe aren't as much, you know, as we've mm-hmm. gotten a new lens to look at life through. But you know, so. Yeah, it's been. Yeah. I mean, we were just, we were all just talking the other day about how you, I guess on some level, on some level, there was an assumption going into quarantine and all that other stuff that there would be lots of space mm. and lots of just like lack of connection, but actually I'm looking <laughs> yeah. for spaces to not have connection <laughs> and to have some space, um, which is just very ironic, but it's yeah. just fascinating. So, um, well, well, one thing we would love to do for, you know, for our listeners is to, to uh, get to know you a little bit. So could you help us out? Um, just kind of tell us about yourself a little bit, maybe where you're located, some of your, your you know, how the Enneagram found you and then how you use it in the world. Oh, sure. Well, I'm currently uh, based in Kansas City, Missouri, although I grew up in California, and that's where I first found the Enneagram. So, yeah, I came across the Enneagram back in 2002. Wow. And it, at a very, at a huge crisis point in my life where I had just that weekend left a marriage and a job. Wow. And yeah, so mm-hmm. it was, it was a definitely a, a sobering weekend of like, oh my gosh, like, have I, like, have I just done life wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I went to the bookstore and um, in, in my typical personal growth is my orientation fashion had came home with like six books. Mm-hmm. And I was looking through these books and one of them was a book on the Enneagram. I had never heard of the Enneagram before. But it was this moment where, you know, I took the online ready test, but then I read the descriptions. And when I read the description for the type one, I cried. Mm. And it was just this, yeah, this moment of, oh, my God, this explains everything I have done my entire life up until this point. Mm. Um, And it was so powerful. So I cried, I think, out of of that sadness, but also this revelation of hope. (laughs) Well, if this could explain it there's hope, you know, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a way forward for me. But I realized that core to even why I had all those personal growth books was I thought I was defective. Like there's something broken and wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like, but if I improve myself, then I will be worthy. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized that I applied that to relationships and 
you know, part of why, like, I was ultra critical in my marriage, well, not, not realizing it was just the default, right? Like before you come to the Enneagram, all this stuff is invisible to you. You just think this is the way you are. And that moment of realizing, wow, I have this fierce need to be right. And in fact, apparently was not wrong my whole marriage. <laughs> like, of course, that's not true, right? <laughs> but, but, but so I called my ex that day and apologized. Wow. You know, it was a moment. Of, yeah, it was wow. like, oh, my God, wow. that's likely intolerable, right? Like, but to understand that the type one's type structure, like that worth and value is so related to being right, mm. that, that you couldn't even see another, another way of being. Like it couldn't, it wasn't tenable to be wrong. So, so to have compassion for the type structure that is so attached to itself for its sense of worth, that was the beginning of tremendous healing you know, yeah. for me. It's um, so fascinating yeah. to me that your first experience with, uh, with the Enneagram was one of um, compassion for yourself. Because I feel like uh, so many people at the moment, just it's another big identity, another way to explain myself to the world and hold on to I th who I think I am, you know? So it's, it's right. just interesting that you're, wow, that wasn't your experience at all. It was way more of what the, what the point of the Enneagram is for. So I love that. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for reflecting that back. It is true. I feel like anyone who comes across the Enneagram, the first thing I want to say is be kind to yourself. Like, mm -hmm. be so deeply kind. Like, I've even told my students, like, I'd rather you not know the Enneagram than apply the Enneagram without compassion. Mm -hmm. It's just really, yeah, because it's like, if anything, yes. we want to bring forth more of that like that deep love that I believe is everyone's true nature, you know, and the Enneagram by being real with ourselves and naming like the ways we go awry, that's only there to help us uncover uh, the mm. truth underneath that and not a way to go like, yeah. see, use that same type structure, see, and, and, and beat yourself up using it, you know? So, but that's where, you know, people like you guys, you know, it's so helpful to hear people talking about it in a different way, not a, Hey, that's your type, you're stuck, but mm -hmm. Hey, this is just the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, as Drew said in his book, and I, I've been quoting this regularly type as trailhead, trailhead into the soul. You know, yeah. it's the opening, right? So Yeah. Being compassionate to ourselves is not something that comes naturally yeah. to any of us. So what kind of work have you did you do before encountering the Enneagram that you were able to respond in that compassionate yeah. way towards yourself? Oh, that's a great question because actually I feel like most of the work was after. But I think that moment mm. of compassion was now that I reflect back on it, really more like a moment of humility. Because honestly, mm. there's some types that um because you know so i identify as a sexual one which is the counter type in the mm -hmm. one and, and not everyone like when you understand the counter types there's like there's a different energy the sexual one is often called the reformer and so uh, like people equate all ones with perfectionism but there's something in me that was like no 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 if we're struggling you need to change <laughs> you know like there's something where deeply i believe i'm wrong but there was this fierceness about changing the world <laughs> like and and so there was a humility in that moment of like actually and you're wrong about that hmm. like it's w what needs to be changes within you but 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 it wasn't like but but the very structure just somehow the way i read it i think i understood that the very structure of looking at you through the lens of the one was itself wrong, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so right. abandoning the structure in that moment of like, this is the wrong paradigm. 
for viewing life mm-hmm. was is kind of what freed me. Like, is there another way? Because the one's way is so harsh, you know? And so it was actually a moment of relief that there's a way different from the one I've been using all my life. Wow. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. But I do want to speak to, I mean, you asked about my journey with it. So that was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And even then, like I have to say, that was pre-spirituality. So so people, you know, because I'm a minister now, people are like, um, oh, wait, I haven't even shared that. So give a little bit <laughs> of background. Yeah. So, so I basically, I was a philosophy major in my undergrad, and then I got a law degree from Stanford Law School. I practiced law in San Francisco for about nine years, and then I mm. got a call to ministry, and so left everything behind and drove out to Kansas City with what I could pack in my car and started this whole new life, um, going to seminary here in the Kansas City area, and then becoming a licensed and ordained unity minister. I want to backtrack to 2002 was when I began studying the Enneagram. And I began um, teaching the Enneagram in 2007. But I want to give this framework because back then, I wasn't even remotely spiritual. Um, Mm. You know, philosophy major and then law, you know, those are the most Mm. like Mm. questioning of anything that like, you know, you can't argue your way into, right? You know, and, and so there was a very much first a psychological approach to the Enneagram, but it wasn't until 2005, really, when I began my spiritual journey and started meditative practices. Centering prayer was the one I happened to come across. And so it wasn't until then that like deep levels of transformation hit because psychologically, the Enneagram is immensely helpful because you understand your type. You can, it's almost like that rear view mirror thing. It's like, if you know that objects are closer than they appear, you can offset. So when you know the Enneagram intellectually, you can offset for the bias of your type, but that's still in your head, right? That's still Mm. understanding. And so it wasn't until I engaged spiritual practice that, oh my goodness, like, like foundational, um, like things just moved and shifted in me that are like, like people don't even recognize like who I am anymore. Mm. You know, I, my, mm. my best joke is one ex-boyfriend called me one day, like this is after some years of growth. And just the way I responded to him, he kind of, he wanted to share something about our relationship, you know, to clean up his past. And I, re- I think I responded so kindly. He's like, who are you? Where did you put me in? I was just <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh. <laughs> just to give you a glimpse of, of how mean I used to be. You know, I was just like, oh my goodness. Just I'm nice. They're like, who are you? You know? <laughs> so, so well, um, yeah, that's a lot of personal information. <laughs> so, no, it's but, great. But just to give you a sense of like the power of the Enneagram um, when coupled with spiritual practice. Yeah. It's mm. revolutionary. So with you. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Could you just name for us real quick um, what it is then, you ha- how you uh, engage the Enneagram in your, because uh, you, you use the Enneagram in your work now, basically full time, right? Oh, yes, yes. Um, Basically, so I'm the founder of Evolving Enneagram. And even though Evolving Enneagram technically I founded just actually yesterday was our one year anniversary. So congrats. Congratulations. Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday to to us as a community. And um, but 
but really the work had been started years before uh, while I was serving as a minister at Unity Temple on the plaza. So that's where I started to build this, this body of work. Mm-hmm. So what we do fundamentally now is we merge uh, contemplative practices uh, with Enneagram knowledge. And we do this in, in several different formats. What, what, I, what I'm passionate about is transformation as a way of life. Not, you know, in our modern day, everything's like this quick fix mentality. Oh, go to this workshop, get inspired. You know, you're going to change your life. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, we go and we change things for like a week, you know, and then we're back to normal. It's kind of that way. So I was like, I want to build an infrastructure in our world for supporting people in living in an ongoing way, this this way of life where we are constantly dying to that false self, you know, um, mm. that false sense of self that is named by the personality type. Mm. And, and through this process, just open up to the aliveness, the dynamism of, of your true wholeness. And mm. so, so, because of this, I was like, well, we can't, we can't just like offer a class. It was important for me to build community, to build conscious community. Mm-hmm. And when I say infrastructure, multiple things. So I teach for sure. I teach introductory classes. I'm actually teaching a class right now on, you know, this is September on uh, embracing a season of change. Um, and this class uses the different aspects of the Enneagram, all our repressed centers, like repressed centers and drawing from uh, Drew's book, uh, The Enneagram of Discernment. Yes. Of, yay, you know, I'm already <laughs> applying your work. You <laughs> know, but really, it, it's like, okay, here's all the Enneagram knowledge, but people feel at a loss. Like, how do I live this? Mm-hmm. And so my classes are about like, let's take... Drew's teachings on the orientations to time and, you know, what area we have repressed, but journey together in this and understand mm-hmm. that what's easy for me is hard for you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and walk through that. Like I owned that as a type one and even I present very much in a three-ish way, but you, behind the scenes, everything one-ish, I totally identify with. And even the orientation to time. Like, let's just, let's just bring Dewey's book into this. Okay, so, so <laughs> I'm present-oriented, right? right? When I heard that, and, and as I taught in the class, I hope this is right, Drew, but I said, you know, in our modern day, we're like, oh, the present moment, like be in the present. I'm yeah. like, but, but I don't, I was like, I don't think Drew's talking about that kind of eternal now presence. We're right. talking about the immediacy mm-hmm. of the moment, yeah. right? That's so, right. Yeah, I as a one, like if something's wrong, I need to fix it right now. And future planning, uh, like, no, if, if this carpet is stained, I must clean it before I can attend to any future planning. Like that's my <laughs> orientation. And so I lose out on the ways in which I could thrive, not being obsessed about the future, but really I could use more planning and thinking about it in a way to vision my ministry, mm. right? And so I've been incorporating that or even planning for fun and for joy, going to my seven, you know, as a type one, I don't do that. And then I, and then I finish my work on a Friday night and I'm like, so sad. There's no one to play with because I never planned <laughs> for uh, play, you know, yeah. I never mm. planned, right? So uh, that's good. Ha- Right? How do I keep myself from the fullness of life that's Hmm. possible for myself? Um, And I can look at what areas I my type tends to be blind to. Yeah. 
So that's a part of what we do saying your type isn't bad. It's more of like, there are ways it doesn't see there are ways it, it, it doesn't um, tend g- generally behave. Right. So when we can look at that, we can start to build a muscle for if you're assertive, back it off a bit, you know, practice backing it off and listening, you know, so to offset the compulsion or fixation of your particular type structure, Mm. you know, Mm. so so that's like the core of the ministry. So I just said classes I teach, but um, if if I'm allowed to say, you know, Seth, you know, that that there I also lead groups. And, and Seth's been part of one of them. I lead uh, spiritual tutoring groups. So what I do one-on-one is called spiritual tutoring. And the reason I call it that is it's a blend of spiritual counseling direction, but really also sometimes teaching the Enneagram. So, so I mix it. Now I've done that in groups because I've seen, wow, when I'm working one-on-one with you, there's, there's certain things that come up, but, but sometimes just by having a small group environment, like it's amazing what happens, right? Yeah. Like you, like there's a woman that ends up in a group full of eights, and of course she's married to an eight. So how perfect is that, right? You know, it, yeah. it's like that. How the, the synchronicity of being in community takes your work to another level. It takes it into relationship. Yeah. Right? Hmm. So so we have. I do one on one privates, but I also do these groups where let's let's build Enneagram literate community uh, where we're gently and compassionately supporting one another in drawing and showing up in ways we're not used to. So, you know, nines, um, I'll just call you out, Seth, nines like Seth, you know, it's like, (laughs) you just like practice speaking up and speaking up not on others' behalf, but on your own behalf, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I were working one-on-one with him, I'd be like, hey, group's coming up. I want you to talk. <laughs> like, mm. I want you to talk about yourself. <laughs> you know, so yeah. we use the group as a forum, kind of like a mini world. You know, to be like, speak up, speak up. And if you're an eight or a seven, that's like assertive type. I'm like, back it off. Like, right. Just sit down and mm. listen for a while. You know, and, and I say it a little bit more nicely than that usually, <laughs> but you know, but it's kind of like so yeah, really yeah. kind of doing the work of like pressing into what feels intolerable yeah. for your type. You know, mm-hmm. so you can begin to break free again of the of the fixation of type. So you can be spiritually free because if your Christ nature, if your divine nature is seeking like the fullness of its expression, but you're saying no to it because your ego was like, oh, but I don't want to be uncouth or oh, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, you know, like it's gaudy to speak about yourself. But if you're mm-hmm. needing it as the highest expression of your divine nature, we don't want it quashed because your ego is in the way. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, it, it's, it's great to hear your story and how that clearly has unfolded into the work that you're doing, uh, which sounds really beautiful and profound. And, and let me just say, I'm honored that, you know, my book could be a, a small, very small part of, of the work that you're doing. So thanks for including it. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the spiritual tutoring yeah. that you're doing, because it seems like I can throw a stick in any direction right now and hit an Enneagram coach. You know, there's, there's so many <laughs> out there, but this sounds a little bit different than that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering too, if you could connect the, the spiritual tutoring work that you're doing to this phrase that you mentioned at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. in which you said bond through pain that we can bond through pain. If we show up the right way, 
I just can't get that out of my head. And I'm wondering that's so good. Um, if you could say more about that and how that helps form your approach to the spiritual tutoring work that you do. Wow. Great question. So I want to say that I am, um, a licensed and ordained unity minister, which means for me personally, I'm an interspiritual minister. So I support people who, I mean, who are devout Catholics, you know, who are Christian, who are maybe Buddhist. So I support people de- uh, irrespective of their religious background. And But usually we open the session with some type of prayer or time of silence, this idea of, hey, let's lift this energy, like here you are, this little ego thinking it's so separate and alone, you know, and so we begin with the foundation of opening it up to a power greater than our own, Mm -hmm. a wisdom greater than our own, that in unity, from at least my unity perspective, there is this, and it's also the essence of you. God is imminent as well as transcendent, Mm -hmm. you know, and so there's a deep faith in, in if we, if we let the ego sort of reveal itself or talk like there's something underneath that that is the ground of you the truth Mm. of you so that's the underlying assumption you know the circle of the enneagram when i teach it i'm always saying hey the circle represents your wholeness and you i know you you all teach this so you are not your type right you know that you are not your type that your divinity your wholeness is is already god-given like it's here and, and so all we're doing is is sort of cleaning up the clutter that hides that mm. that true self mm. and so that foundation of you know I, I teach original blessing rather than original sin like the that that's the core that that who you are mm. is already whole and perfect and it is only when you're over identified with this this self that thinks it's a separate for for type threes a separate actor you know, yeah. acting separately in the world, right? Um, for type nine, separate from love, you know, that divine love, like in a, each way that we think we're separate, that's the illusion of your type. So that that's like a foundational perspective from which I offer this. And so yeah. when we talk about, yes, and feel free to jump in anytime, but when we talk about like this idea of bonding through our pain, I, I do want to add that we also give room to bond through our joy. But what happens in our culture is that, you know, in that Instagram culture of let's just show people how awesome my life is, right? You know, that generally people need more permission to show up in what's hard than they do need permission to show up in what's joyful. And I'll say there are a couple exceptions to that. If I have a lot of, if I have a lot of fours, you know, in my group, I will explicitly talking talk about the value of bringing forth our joy and allowing that to be celebrated. So, so it's not just pain, but it's whatever we don't allow, right? Normally. So, so we create the space where it's like, wow, can it be okay to, to show anger? So I'm talking about my spiritual tutoring, but I'm also talking about in every group that I lead, like giving explicit permission that, you know, when you walk through these doors into, well, now the Zoom room, not the physical room, I hope that you don't leave anything behind. Too often we show up and we should try to show up in a certain way. If you just had a fight with your spouse, I want you to bring it to the group. 
I want you to bring it to the tutoring space, you know, so that we can illuminate it for healing. The idea that what stays in the dark is what hurts us, mm. but the moment we bring it to light, it gets healed, you know, and so that's the foundation. So doing that individually, I find that there are people who, I mean, I had people grieve um, religious and sexual abuse with me for the first time wow. in their wow. lives. You know, I'm like, wow, people really haven't been given permission for this, mm. right? You know, mm. there there's a seven in a group of mine once who, who shared for the first time that she had a miscarriage. What a pain to mm. carry. Wow. But like, oh, there goodness. was no permission. There's no room, especially in the life of a seven, right? Pick up and go and move to the future, right? You know, sort of like move along and yeah. be cheerful. And, and so to have space to come, and I'll just to give Drew these props again, it's really coming into that fullness of time you talk about in your Enneagram of Discernment book by going, oh, the sevens need to revisit that past. Not everybody does, mm. but boy, do the sevens need to go with heart to the past mm. so that what they left behind can, can help them to live into true satisfaction in the moment of today. So I'm curious then, man, how this, uh, your, the name Evolving Enneagram kind of uh, springs forth from this perspective that you have of spiritual tutoring and the work wow. that you're doing it with uh, individual clients as well as groups. Yeah. Thank you for asking the question about the name, because I have to tell you, you know, it, again, in this modern day, when this, there's all this branding happening, I'm like, what's my name? Like, what am I about? Right. right. You know, I'm like, and I'm like, well, what if I change over time? That was my, I was like, I need to be able to evolve. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, like, this is not static. And I'm not just one thing. I'm going to grow over time. And the Enneagram is evolving. Mm. Um, but, you know, I have to say that after the fact, I can say how, you know, how perfect it felt like the name was, but it was after a morning centering prayer sit that the name came to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of about a year and a half ago where I was like, what am I, what is the core of what I'm about? I'm like, there's so much humility in, I'm not evolved Enneagram, you know, like there's a big difference, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, right? You know, the enlightened Enneagram, you know, I'm like, no, <laughs> like, or like the know? integrated Enneagram or something, you know, oh, um, no. oh. <laughs> burn. I get it. I get it that some of your, the titles and names are aspirational too and you know right, so course, that. Yeah. but but i do have this like it just felt right you know like that's perfect that embodies the the, the fact that the whole enneagram world is still evolving our teachings our understanding is still evolving and and so and again that sense of over time like like this is not a quick fix thing this is something that that is a process um so so the core to my work is this idea you know and i want to add i love pierre Teilhard de chardin's work mm. on conscious evolution mm -hmm, and that is a core piece of this that like oh we are all evolving into greater love you know like that that mm. the, what the world needs right now what this crisis this outer and inner crisis needs what, what it calls for is for us to know our true nature as love and then through 
through wholeness and love within ourselves know our unity more. I'm like, yes. So the mm. word evolution, you know, harking, harking back to his notion of, you know, conscious evolution just felt again, just so right on, you know, for, for my mission, for my purpose. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's great. I always love to hear kind of the backstory or the origin story of a name. Mm. Um, and uh, I knew it was something more than, you know, you paid a marketing consultant. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm thankful to hear that story. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things this season, season two for Fathoms that we wanted to do is, is find some people that we think have a really unique contribution to the Enneagram world. And I, and just, I think people can already tell that I think this is what we've been talking about is really yours. Like it's, it's these spiritual tutoring groups and my own personal experience uh, it's really beautiful to kind of hear your initial experience with the Enneagram and how it was this one of humility, because that's exactly like you have authority in this. You had you had so much authority in in the in the group that I was uh, participated in with you, but it was from such a compassionate and hum a humble place. And and it I don't know. I just remember naming I think with the group once that it just felt like I, I don't want this to be in because it, it just I don't want this to end because it's like I feel seen by these people and understood and it was such a safe place so quickly and I think this is this is you're so good at this stuff so I just wanted to name that and say that oh, oh thank you I so appreciate your feedback about your I mean that's that's my hope that that's the feeling like and you know actually you reminded me Seth like to talk about safety. I mean, that's what love does, mm. right? You know, it creates the safe space for you to feel like, really, is it true? Because people have said I could be myself, but as soon as I'm myself, mm. I'm punished for it, right? Yeah. You know, like uh, kind of yeah. in, in some way, right? That like, can it really be true that I could blurt out things? I mean, I've had people, I've had people <laughs> in my contemplative Enneagram groups, well, actually, which I haven't mentioned. Um, so so Seth was in this, um, this 10-person group where I do offer a little bit more feedback. It's more like my one-on-one -on -one sessions, but I also have these two-hour contemplative Enneagram groups where we do a full 20-minute centering prayer sit together, and I don't give feedback, but people just speak into the space their truth. And it's very uncomfortable for many people initially to be like, what? No feedback, no giving each other advice, all this, and I don't even offer it. So I want to say that in these spaces, though, people will just say things like, well, you know, they know I'm a minister, they're sitting in a church, right? And they're like, I don't know about this God business, you know, like, they just mm -hmm. blurt out things. And they realize, like, I did not banish them, <laughs> you know, like, and so even just the mere fact of being able to just be angry, express anger, express fear, express shame, or, you know, like, I've had a lot of it's fours and fives who will say, like, I don't feel like I belong here. Like they just say that mm. and I don't do anything about it. I don't try to appease that. And they come back, you know, mm. so like I'm allowed to question the group. I'm allowed to like have my feelings about it. But if they like choose to come back, they build their own sense of belonging by saying, well, I'm allowed to think that and I still belong here. Mm. My goodness. Yeah. We seem starved for that right now as a culture, yeah. the ability to speak with conviction <laughs> to one another that is still in a place of safety and care and love, um, that that just feels uh, like a tremendous need right now. Mm -hmm. when, when we have our own kind of ideological camps that s seem really entrenched and polarized and just shouting at one another to mm -hmm. actually be able to challenge 
one another in love. Uh, yeah, seems mm-hmm. like a, a rare commodity right now. I was yeah. I was talking with a friend this weekend, and she was she was saying how it's really fascinating how on some level we go to social media and we expect that safety and understanding to be there as we're just working through our own crap. And right. social media is not a safe place to do that. Um, mm. And no one's required to give you any level of understanding. But I think what you're saying, Nian, is like th- those spaces intentionally creating those communities and those spaces to feel safe and understood and to work out your work out your things that you aren't sure about that you're scared about that you're not sure is correct or is right and to intentionally um, curate those spaces is really 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 important and to kind of protect Mm. that learning and discovering process as something that is sacred and that that needs to be not just blasted onto social media Thank you. And you brought up such an important point. And this has actually come up in in my uh, spiritual tutoring groups recently, which is especially when you are in the, what I call, I guess some people call it emotional re- reactivity, but I've reframed it, you know, the emotional realness uh, uh, triad of the Enneagram, which is like the, the fours, the sixes, and the eights. There can be this tendency to just like, emote like some of your like uh, well just emote right Mm -hmm. in a way where if you don't feel just held in that expression it's deeply painful Mm -hmm. right and 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 so one of the learnings that people experience in our groups is just the discretion of understanding you know it's like the the ferocity of your need to express that uh, moderated by the wisdom to know when and where. Mm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like to really get that, like, yeah. like you're choosing. It's almost like, especially in foreignness, when you're like kind of used to the story of suffering, acclimated to it. It was like, let's suffer some more. I know this is not the right form, but I keep doing it. Mm. And instead, choosing the forums and choosing the safety of like, oh, can I possibly be met? Can I possibly be presenced? And, mm. and having the space to do that. And, and I want to say that what you touched on too is one of the reasons um, when I said infrastructure earlier, I teach separate from my contemplative Enneagram groups. And I'm very careful about that um, in that in these groups, I, I might offer one little reading just as a more for people to share, but there's a reason I don't teach. And, and that is where I feel like there's a different space that's held when you're doing prayer and then you're presencing each other. That's much safer. Like, because in a way, sometimes teaching is like fixing, you know, has that feel. So the safety of our groups kind of has this element to which we're really presencing at most, even in spiritual uh, group tutoring, at most reflecting back, right? Mm. But keeping the teaching in a separate forum where there is a lot more of that back and forth. Back and forth is not as safe, mm, right? Yeah, so right. that, so I keep the spaces clean because of that, Yeah, you know? Yeah, but, but yet they need the teaching. The Enneagram informed understanding is so vital, yeah. but it's like, it's almost like, but in the moment when we're presencing, we don't want to be in our heads about that. You know, yeah. and so having the teaching be separate, distinctly, structurally has been very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spirituality and the Enneagram 
are interlocked and they inform each other. And how how do you define spirituality and why is it important to couple it with the Enneagram? Mm, mm. Well, so what a wonderful question. I believe, I mean, I believe that life, like the nature of life, if you think of it as divine mind, like that life is just pure consciousness, right? Mm. You know, and, and so in a way, I, you know, I call it psycho-spiritual, but I'm like, in a way, they're not different. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, 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 can we really se- if if God is all that is, can we really separate the secular and the spiritual? You mm-hmm. know, and yet, like, what do I mean by by bringing in the spiritual mm-hmm. element? I think for me, what that entails is a profound level of trust. Meaning, mm-hmm. um, I think I just said this recently to someone who was like learning to like be kinder to herself, a type two. And I'm like, okay, so that meanie, that, you know, type two wing one, that meanie was learned, but your the nurturing you is God given. Hmm. Like that's innate. Hmm. And that comes from the, from my spiritual perspective, that we are fundamentally good and whole. Hmm. I mean, which is the exact opposite of what my Enneagram type taught me. Right. You know, hmm. this is about offsetting my entire type structure, yeah. you know, and living this new truth mm-hmm. and, and, and living from that truth. One vital piece is, again, you know, I, I'm kind of jaggedly giving you the history of how all of this evolved, but but it really, initially, I was just teaching classes. And sure, I was a minister teaching Enneagram classes, but somehow we hadn't married the two. It wasn't explicit, like people mm-hmm. had their spiritual practice and then they came to my classes. And I talked about the need for meditation. So what the contemplative practices and the Enneagram groups did is it explicitly you know i'm like we talk about prayer meditation but when do we actually do this stuff together so let's do a two-hour meeting once a week where we're actually sitting in the silence for 20 minutes and the way i treat centering prayer the way i approach it is is it's you know it's being willing to die to your old identity the false self the false identification in each time you enter centering prayer and so that spiritual surrender to me that's what makes us not just a therapy group you know it's a as father thomas keating one of the founders of centering prayer calls it it's divine therapy mm-hmm. and and so we're appealing to your true nature your divine nature and it's not me doing the work of changing you mm-hmm. you know and so fundamentally but I also, that's also the piece of, I can teach you tons of Enneagram, but it's not going to shift your life like that until Mm. you engage the practice. So it's like, this is pure support for engaging the practice, Yeah. right? And so that's where the two, and why is the Enneagram valuable? Uh, To me, it tells us exactly um, what our core set of false beliefs are about that true nature it's the way that we like the type six well doesn't believe that spirit is the true ground of being and source so tries to find that ground in the world tries to find that security in the world and and so when we don't know that you know as a counselor you might be like oh let me let me help you find security let's let's fix this issue right versus the very root of it is that you're going outside rather than inside to find that bedrock of stability and trust, right? 
And so the spiritual journey saying, saying each, so each way, each type tries to look outside, come back home, come inside. You know, and find and find that deeper truth, the holy idea. So I do this based on the idea that you know each type is the result of having lost sight of a holy idea, and to give credit, that's from the teachings of A. H. Almas, um, also known as you know, his real name is Hamid Ali. You know, his work, Facets of Unity, is which is one of my favorite foundational books for for mm. going. Hey, we are a unity, we are a wholeness, but each type forgot that or lost sight of that in some way. And, and so let's come home to ourselves and give permission to be still enough for the truth to arise. And going back, you know, to that woman I was sharing about with the two, it's like this, don't be so scared of like, oh, well, I don't, I don't have a model of a nurturing life because your truth, your essence is already love. Mm. So it will, so it will be natural to you and more natural than this learned harsh, um, self that that you constructed to beat yourself up into submission you know that that's more true yeah Mm -hmm. oh and so the enneagram is like this map where it's like oh how do i know when i'm in ego well if i'm exhibiting a lot of the average level traits of my type that's a clue Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's a clue what you're saying reminds me of you you mentioned pierre um, Teilhard de Chardin earlier, and, yeah. and he's got this. I'm gonna try and remember it right here. It's he says we are, and you probably know Nian, but we are not. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having having a human experience. Yes, I love that quotation. <laughs> it's it's right on. It's exactly you know, and and I love that it's both. Yeah. You know that, that both are that that it's not yeah. about you know. Some people are like, let's just go to blissful oneness. I'm like, no. <laughs> There's some value in your completely embodied humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like that's your uniqueness. Um, so the only issue is that you suffer because you believe you're separate from that truth, from that right. divinity. But when we remember it and we live from it, then our type becomes part of our life purpose. Like you're gifted via mm-hmm. your type and orientation in a certain way to gift the world a certain thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you can live from that truth, you know, we don't, we're not trying to not be our type. We're just trying to remember that we're more than our type, mm-hmm. that the fullness of the circle, we can inhabit the qualities of the vastness of our divine, our divinity and our humanity at the same time, right. you know? That's the hope and then like that trusting and that's a deep trust that your authentic self is actually going to help the world. You know, like we don't want to help people find their authentic Mm. self, you know, if we think people are fundamentally bad, right? right? You know, like there's this like fundamental Mm. belief you have to have that, 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 that that true self is fundamentally good. With that, what is the common pushback that you get? Because I mean, especially in Christian culture, right? We there is there is this attachment of like I can't I can't believe that I'm not bad, like I have to believe that I am bad. So what is that? What's the common pushback do you get, and how do you how do you work with the person to um, to get back to that fundamental wholeness? Wow. Well, I don't know if there is a common, I mean, it might be very Enneagram related in that, but like, let's say someone's really struggling to believe that they're fundamentally good. And if they come from a more sort of 
fundamental Christian background of like, well, I've been taught all my life that I was born in original sin, et cetera. You know, I mean, of course, we're also taught that you're made in the image and likeness of God. Right. You know, and so, so, so let's, let's talk about that. Like, what does that mean? You know, and then I think there's also an appealing to, I mean, if God is love and love is all, and, and if God is all that is, like, wh- who are you to think that somehow you're special? You know, like if everything is love, no, 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 I'm, I'm especially tragic here. Mm. You know, like there's mm. a lot of pride and audacity in, in holding yourself apart from that love. Hmm. you know yeah. and so there is something about like who are who are you to declare this hmm. you know and then people play god like in a way i really i deeply hmm. believe that that one's type structure that punitive type structure is in a way like saying i'm going to meet out the punishment of god wow like i'll do it before god does. i mean that's what ones do right, right we, uh. we, it's like I'll criticize myself before anyone else does. Yeah, yeah. and so it, it's it's like who are you to decide that you are worthy of punishment? Mm. Yeah, you know. So like, are you saying there's on some level there's just a there's a fear of admitting that I'm good because if I'm good then I I could be rejected. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, you know, it, I think Marianne Williamson had talked about this like that that what we're afraid of, you know, like is our own greatness in a way. Oof. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, like, oh, because there's a big personal responsibility in exactly. that, you know. <laughs> like, right? like uh, oh, no thanks. You know. <laughs> but that's the storyline. That's a part of it. So what I help people to work on is like, oh, you don't want to claim that because then you think that somehow you have to be other than you're not because there's still a feeling mm. that oh, now that I know my truth and I'm empowered, I have to strive for some ideal out there. And wow. I'm like, no, the whole point is you being yourself is the point. Yeah. So you're never going to be called, like, how could a loving God demand of us that 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 what is planted on our hearts as to what we desire and care about the most, that no, 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 why don't you reject your own personal dreams for God's dream over here? You know, mm-hmm. like, that doesn't mm-hmm. sound like a benevolent universe to me, you know, but it's more like, actually, if you own and fully own your dream and let go of the other tapes that told you that that's not okay, maybe you're actually aligning more with divine will. Oof. Mm. More, not less. Wow. And that it could be that easy. The, but you, but we each have a story as to why it shouldn't be easy, right? Yeah, you know, that just opens like, up another universe of conversation. <laughs> that sure does. Yeah, oh my goodness, <laughs> it really does. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm happy to engage whatever. You <laughs> hey, I well, love this stuff. I mean, I yeah, <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> um, oh, and I, as I say that, I realize you know, one time I had, I, I think I put on Facebook or something like, yeah, I practice what I preach, and someone's like, well, well, you should preach what you practice. And, you know, the, the one in me was like, did he just criticize me? At first I was like, hey, you know, but I thought about that and I'm like, I do. I mm. preach what I practice. I practice centering prayer and welcoming prayer. Wow. Like I live the Enneagram. Like it's a framework that, that mm. like I live this out, right? So in, in that also, I feel like I suffer with you know, mm. there's the suffering with others. There's the being with. Um, I've been told that a part of why people value my particular ministry is even though, and I appreciate, you know, South Ibram talking about, like, I do 
I speak authoritatively, you know, I heard that's very one-ish, you know, we, even when we're, we're thinking maybe we sound like we, like, this is truth. <laughs> you know, yeah. when I say something, it's like, this is truth, <laughs> you know, but, but I speak as a fellow traveler, hmm. you know, that, that, that I share what's hard for me also. Hmm. And by doing so, I take myself repeatedly off the pedestal that my position would put me on, hmm. you know, and, and that, that, that eases my need to feel like I have to be there already or be perfect already. But it also, I have found, it helps people to be open about what they struggle with when they feel like I'm not there yet and I wish I, I was there mm. and I'm not. But if like, oh, if the leader can say, um, can share about where she's still struggling, maybe I can too. Mm. You know? Right. I think that's beautiful. And I think that's so valuable is they say you know you can't lead people where you haven't been um and i think that's i think you do that so well in the end so i think we're gonna finish up here uh but i just want to ask you if you had any just parting words that you wanted to leave with our listeners anything that is is kind of maybe just in the moment burning in your heart just wanted to open that up to you if you had just some parting words for us yeah um, gosh, well, I, I guess what I would love to say is that if you are new to the Enneagram, then the, the importance of compassionately looking at your type so that you can flesh it out is vital, meaning there are things that begin to be revealed about ourselves that we see, but we only see when we give ourselves kind permission to see. Mm -hmm. Like if you know in your system that you'd be judgmental about that piece or hard on yourself, it's like you're not going to allow that to emerge. And so giving right. that that kindness to yourself like supports opening it up. And then once it's open, finding support, like I can't imagine doing this journey alone you know that that like because why like oh one fundamental thing about the Enneagram is it tells us our type will keep trying the same way it's been trying like right. the one keep going fix me I'm broken you know like I'm like well mm. the whole point is to remember you're not broken you know like <laughs> and, the, and the threes are like give me the assignments and I will be the best and I will be the fastest you know like kind of you know at getting there and I'm like well actually let's not strive you know and, and so there's this way in which once we know then we know how your type is going to try to want something but you need someone outside yourself to push back on that and say, no, actually less of that, not more. That you know, uh, the the three wants more goals. Mm. And 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 if you have someone kind working with you who knows the Enneagram, it's like actually being rather than doing is your path. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where each type will will strive for what the type thinks will get it salvation. Right. You know, when it's the opposite of what that type mm. needs. Right. And so that's why working with others, whether in community or with a spiritual director, can be so vital to your journey because your type wants to save its life, not lose it. Mm, right. But whoever shall lose their life, you know, will save it. Wow. Right. Mm. right. Wow. So that's so, closing. So good. Thank you for that. Especially Beautiful. just that point that we can't see what's what's potentially true about ourselves unless we start with compassion. I think that's so so wonderful and beautiful. And difficult, but but uh, needed. So <laughs> yeah, Nian, uh, can you just tell people where where they can find you? Uh, how they can maybe be a part of one of your upcoming groups? 
Yes, for sure. So evolvingenneagram.com is my website. So all the information's there. Of course, I have a, an Instagram account and Facebook uh, page by the same name. And I also have a Facebook community, Evolving Enneagram community, where you can engage. And you'll see that there isn't a lot of actual Enneagram stuff posted there. There's more spiritual, inspirational work because, again, for me, the Enneagram, you know, we don't want to get overly locked in all those, that meme culture, right, on the Enneagram. So, so through, um, through the website, you'll learn. I have a lot of classes that are ongoing right now that aren't open yet. But if you get on my mailing list, you'll see when one opens. Of course, to preserve group safety, when a group opens, we close it, you know, mm-hmm. so that the group can bond and everything. So so right now, I think I'm actually maxed out in my groups, but we're hoping to open some new groups soon. Mm-hmm. And I have an ongoing class right now, as I said, embracing a season of change and it's recorded. So if anyone wants to hear my take on Drew's book, <laughs> you can purchase you can it and hear the here. recording. <laughs> the type one in me is like, I hope Drew doesn't correct me on his take. Oh my goodness. No <laughs> way. It, you know, through my application of it, you know, to people's lives. Thank you so That's much. Great. This was brilliant and wonderful yes. and beautiful. Yeah, and thank you. Oh, so good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we need so to welcome. do this again. Thank for you sure. so much for having me. Put the joy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios.